By the time the second bird hit my window, I was beginning to worry. One dead bird is random, but two is a pattern, and not a good one. My large plate glass window faced the woods and gave me a view of the birch trees I loved so much during my time in Finland. But I started to wish my window faced a different direction by the time the second bird flew into it. Coincidentally, or not if you're more conspiratorially minded, both birds were the same species, song thrushes, about the same size and shape as American robins, which are, after all, members of the thrush family. When a bird hits a window, it's an unmistakably sickening sound, one that can't mean anything good. Both times, after hearing it, I went out to survey the damage, expecting and finding the worst. The thrush's fragile, lifeless bodies lying just below the window. In each case, there was nothing to be done, but I couldn't help feeling guilty, as if it were my own fault that they were confused by the reflection in the glass. I finally got the message and taped to the window a hastily cut out silhouette of an aluminum foil hawk, which did seem to discourage future bird deaths. The question then became, what to do about the two little corpses? Well, this is where the podcast title came into being, because we decided that these feathered warriors deserved a Viking funeral. I'm Gabriel Gould, and this is Burning the Thrushes, a podcast about what we hear when we listen. Really listen. I was in Finland in the month of July, during the peak of the so-called White Nights. Haukijärvi, the town nearest to the artist center where I was staying, is in southern Finland, but it's only a few hundred miles from the Arctic Circle. For the first couple of weeks I was there, the sun never completely set. It was beyond surreal. Our poor human brains are easily confused, and mine had a hard time coping with the lack of darkness. It created a sort of giddiness, a restlessness, a desire to avoid sleep, to witness the strangeness of the moment. Despite jet lag, I felt no desire to get to bed at anything resembling a normal time. Granted, I am a night owl by nature, but it was clear that many others' circadian rhythms were equally discombobulated. Almost every night, someone inevitably built a campfire and we stayed out until all hours, in the perpetual twilight, talking, comparing creative notes, and on one regrettable occasion, playing an awkward round of truth or dare. So when it came time to honor the passing of the two thrushes, the fire represented a more fitting and dramatic way to ritualize the moment than simply burying them in the woods. Another artist, whose room was near mine and had similar feelings about the thrushes, built two beautiful birch bark pyres for the birds, nestling them into a collection of wildflowers and grasses. One bird went straight into the roaring fire, but for the other we had more elaborate plans. We grabbed a few of the one-speed bikes that the center provided us, pedaled down the dirt road in the not-quite-darkness, 
to the lake where I had tried and tried to record the cranes. See episode one. In an attempt to recreate a very Hollywoodized sense of drama, we lit the pyre and pushed it out into the still waters of the lake. It was anticlimactic. The birch bark was, in retrospect, not a great choice for a flotation device because the fire was quickly extinguished and the whole apparatus began to sink. It was definitely a comedy of errors, but it also suited the utter weirdness of the whole experience. And ultimately, despite some disappointment, we felt we had at least tried to do the birds justice by returning them to nature. Thus, the thrushes were burned, or at least one of them was, and the kernel of an idea for a podcast was created, although I didn't know it at the time. Why commemorate this story as the title of a podcast? Well, there was a lot going on for me, creatively and personally, during the time this took place. It's a powerful memory from a time of artistic transition, and it came to symbolize the passing of old ways and the possibility of a new path. Cheesy? Maybe. But sometimes things can be both cheesy and true. And I did continue to feel sad about those two birds who marked this important time in my life with their inadvertent sacrifices. It's correlation, not causation, obviously, but often things that happen together take on added significance in our mind. Although it's true that I was primed for a creative change, the fact that it happened in Finland during that summer was not entirely coincidental. The sounds of the place gave me an unexpected focus, and I found that, on their own, they seemed to leave space for music to occur. There's actually a theory in sound studies, known as the acoustic niche hypothesis, which suggests that, in healthy ecosystem, living organisms carve out their own acoustic niches, or frequency zones, so that no other creature is competing for their sound space. I felt in some ways that the field recordings I collected left a niche for me to fill with music and voice. One of the results of this process was koivu, but another was an extended keyboard improvisation accompanied by the dawn chorus of early morning birds. Or maybe it was the other way around, the piano was accompaniment to the sounds of nature. Hard to tell. The field recording that I used was made during my extended and quite frustrating process of trying to record sandhill cranes. One morning, around four o'clock, sun blazing because it was Finland in July, I was awoken by the trumpeting of the cranes and ran out the door in my pajamas to set up my recorder. It wasn't necessary to monitor it, so I went back to bed and tried to block out the bright sunlight enough to get more sleep. I ended up recording several hours of birdsong, but not a single crane, of course. And yet, all was not lost. The recording was beautiful, even without them. It was quiet but complex, and there was a surprising variety of birds. I'll pause here for a tangential aside. I have an amazing app on my phone called Merlin, which is produced by the Cornell Lab of Ornithology. It helps to identify birds based on the waveform of their songs, 
but Merlin didn't exist in 2017, and I wasn't able to use it to identify the birds of rural Finland that I recorded, and unfortunately, despite its amazing ability to narrow down a species when used in real life, it fails miserably when played a recording of birds. It's just too smart, and it seems to know the difference between real birds and their digital representations. I whittled down the recording to the most lyrical section I could find, isolating about 13 minutes, and then sat down at the piano to see what might happen. Here's a piece of what I came up with. The name of the composition? What else? Burning the Thrushes.
It's an odd experience listening back to an improvisation, since it's impossible to recreate the variables that were present at the time of the performance. In a way, it doesn't sound like me, but it also really sounds like me, if that makes any sense. For lack of a better word, this piano recording has a bit of a new age feel to it. And that's such a loaded genre label. Many powerful and inspiring recording artists, like Michael Hedges, have been stuck in that bin in the proverbial record store. It conjures up sweeping synthesizer reveries, easy listening piano, and a general sense of not challenging the listener. And that is very much the problem with genre labels like New Age or world music. They're essentially meaningless, except they provide the recording industry a convenient label under which to file them. So this piano improvisation of mine is what it is, or was, a frozen moment in time that can never really be recreated, like Keith Jarrett's legendary Köln concert, which exists in a piano transcription, but will never sound exactly the same as when he pounded it out on a frustratingly imperfect Bosendorfer Grand in 1975. For a wonderful examination of this story, check out Tim Harford's Cautionary Tales podcast, not a sponsor. But I hope that it honors the soundscape of the Finnish forest where the field recordings were made and fits into the acoustic niches left by the birds. I also really enjoy the fact that this recording was the equivalent of film left on the cutting room floor, and ultimately the kind of creative accident that is sometimes more memorable than the one you were actually trying to make in the first place. Burning the Thrushes is written, edited, and produced by me, Gabriel Gould. All music and recordings are my own, except for the recording of the song Thrush, which was uploaded to freesound.org by Artemis Swan. My host in Finland was the Artelace Creative Center, which provides work and living space for artists of all types for a month or more a couple of hours north of Helsinki. Check out the good work they're doing at artelace.org, A-R-T-E-L-E-S.org. For more information on the acoustic niche hypothesis, look up Bernie Krauss. His book, Voices of the Wild, is a great introduction to soundscape ecology. Join me next time when I talk about my experience at a different arts residency in Iceland and the sounds that inspired and informed my work there. Kitos kunta Thanks for listening.